Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. This is Chris. I'm here with Justin, and we have a very special guest on the heels of our episode about uh, Threshold's debut album, Wounded Land, from 1993. We have a longtime Threshold member, keyboard player, Mr. Richard West. Uh, Richard, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the Metal Exchange. Hi, it's my pleasure, and I'm at a bit of a loss because I've not heard what you said about the album yet, so I'm just going to have to assume you've said only nice stuff. <laughs> we we both hated it, and um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we both had um, a lot of a lot of kind words to say about it, and and we ta- we talked a lot about how it kind of set the table for what um, Threshold would would sound like um, for the the you know uh, next almost thirty years. It's been. Um, but uh, we kind of wanted to uh, speak with you and, and kind of uh, discuss. We, we we realized that you weren't involved too much as far as the writing process goes, but um, your influence as a keyboard player is all over this album. So um, we just kind of wanted to talk to you about how you ended up joining the band and, and a little bit more detail as to uh, what your part in creating this album was. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, yeah, why don't we just start with, um, tell us uh, how you um, ended up in Threshold or, you know, how you ended up being, you know, uh, getting involved with the band and um, and uh, you can kind of um, segue into uh, how the first album came about. Yeah, sure. So um, I left university and I moved near to London uh, with the hope of getting into a band ended up working in a little recording studio evenings and weekends, which is where I met Carl Groom, the Threshold guitarist. And I joined, I think, two other bands before joining Threshold. First, I was in a kind of an indie rock band with Carl called Mercy Train. and We did a few shows and put an album out. Um, then I was asked to go and tour with a band called Shadowland, which was formed by uh, the keyboard player from Pendragon, a guy from uh, called Clive Nolan. So I'm, I went on tour with them. Clive was fronting, so he wanted me to play the keys. And it was while I was on that tour, which, again, Carl was guitarist on, that Carl asked if I wanted to join Threshold. But I thought it was just a session player. So I remember I, I came into the studio and I started playing on the, all these songs. And you, you'll have noticed there's a few quite fast solos on there. Um, so I thought, OK, I'll come in. It's a performance record. I'll just perform my head off. And I, I played way beyond my ability, thinking, thank goodness I'll never have to play this stuff again in my life. Because I thought I was just coming in for the sessions, you know. So I, I played some solos. I did a few kind of atmospheres and pads and stuff. Quite a lot of the keys were already been played by Carl. You know, it was quite a complete record. So I was really in at the last minute. And then, yeah, got a call a few weeks later saying, well, it was more kind of a gradual joining the band i was next i was doing a photo shoot next i was named on the credits and then next thing i know we're doing shows and i thought you've got to be kidding me you want me to play that stuff night after night that's impossible so i really had to work hard get my skills up just so i could actually perform at that level every day so i guess you had nobody else to blame uh, but yourself then for for landing the the full-time gig at that point no absolutely not and it's, it's really not what i was even looking to be doing at that stage i, I didn't really know much about the world of metal um you know I, I knew a bit about prog rock i was very much into genesis and floyd but i was kind of more of a pop rock guy you know that's kind of why i thought i'd be heading so it was an unexpected diversion that i'm still on yeah i, I was going to say um uh, quite a different sound than than even pendragon just because of the the, the crunchiness of, of carl's guitars and and just the way that some of the strongs are a little bit tighter but 
you know, more riff driven, I guess, than, than some of the uh, prog rock stuff that you might have been into. Yeah. And you were saying that earlier, the first album really defined how we were going to sound for the next 30 years. And I think that was the main thing. You know, we started off with that double crunchy guitar riff. You had Carl and, and Nick Midson also just playing that dual riffing all the way through. And that became our bedrock, you know. That everything we've done since then has kind of been defined by that. So even though the sounds changed, the melodies have changed, the structures and productions have changed, we've always kept that as our foundation. And the foundation is certainly there, but at the same time, um, your your keyboard sound and some of the atmospheric tones that you use really do lend itself well to that you know that guitar sound underneath. Did they give you free reign when you went into the studio to record Wounded Land to really just you know kind of you know, go crazy, like you said, and, and, and play above your level, as, as, as you said, or is it, or did they, did they kind of say to you, this is what we're looking for? And then you just, you know, went off and, and did it? Or where did the inspiration come for, for some of these leads? Um, a bit of both, I guess. I'd like to say quite a lot of the pads and, and basic sounds were already in there. So it was, it was well produced already. But Carl would say, we need a big solo at the beginning of this song, or here's the big solo in the middle of Santi's end. And I then, yeah, have free reign to go off and just play far too fast and far too complex. I listen back now. I think, what was I doing? But you know, I was a young, a young boy trying to impress. <laughs> that's uh, you- that's great. That's great stuff. I love it. Um, did you have um, did you have any say in um, the addition of, of Damian Wilson as the vocalist? I, I we talked about in the previous episode that there was kind of a revolving door of of the three vocalists over the years um, and, you know, Damien was on this album and then he wouldn't be on the next album, but he would be on the third album. Um, was that choice already made when you uh, kind of jumped in? And, um, you know, if, if not, um, did you have any, anything to say about his uh, joining the band? No, no, he'd already joined before I got there. Um, got all it. his recordings were done when I got there. So they'd done a song called Intervention before Winded Land came out, which went out on some Dutch progressive rock sampler. So they already kind of had a song out there and it was established. Um, so I was the sixth guy to join. And I remember we did in, I think, April 93, we did a show with that lineup, that six piece. The only time that lineup actually did a show together um, up in London. And it was a few months before the album came out. And Damien told me then he'd been offered another job in another band. And so he was already, he'd already left the band before the album even came out. And that was, that was totally his decision. I think he wanted, you know, he's an ambitious guy. He was just looking to climb. And there was this big band with big money behind it, which could have gone somewhere. So can't blame him for trying. Sadly, didn't get anywhere for him. And as you say, he was back a few years later to do it all again. Before right. he would be back a third time, you know, 20 years after that. It's it, it's funny because one of the things we commented on just throughout the career of the band was that you've had three singers, all of whom have a very, very different sound, but somehow it works when they sing these songs. And I've had the pleasure of seeing a pair of these songs live um, at different times uh, at the Prague Power Festival in Atlanta. I've seen you guys with all three vocalists, but somehow the, the music works no matter who is fronting the band. You've got a little, I guess lucky or, or really an ear for choosing the right front man for, for the band. It's a curious one, isn't it? Cause I, the, the singers are certainly very different when you look at Damien compared to Mac who, and Glenn who followed him. 
I think Mac and Glenn, they got similarities. They got that sort of raspy quality, which works so well with heavy guitars. Damien's complete opposite, but because he's so powerful, it seems to work as well. He's, you know, he's more like a trumpet, if that's not a, an unkind thing to say. It's more that sort of tone, whereas the other guys are more like that kind of throaty saxophone. But yeah, yeah. they're powerful. They soar over the music and it just works beautifully. We've been really lucky to, to work with all three guys. Uh, you know, you, had me- you mentioned earlier that um, Damien had kind of left the band before the album was, you know, out. Did that prevent you from doing like full tours for for the record, or was it something that what you weren't even thinking about? You just wanted to get the the the, the record down, and then you would think about the the you know the future project trajectory of the band later on. I think we had the tour booked anyway, so mm. and there was no question of not doing it. You know, it was our first ever European tour. There's no way you're not going to do that. So we put an advert, advert out in Metal Hammer uh, Music Magazine and got a whole ton of responses of various grades from blues singers to female death metal growlers. I mean, it was a, an amazing eclectic selection. Um, still remember them. But uh, we were. I think we were a couple of weeks before the tour and we still didn't have the right person. It was getting quite panicky. And then luckily we, we waited a bit longer and, and Glenn Morgan came along who was then the singer for our, our next few years and back being our singer now. So yeah, um, so then he came out, toured the album, you know, so Damien never got to tour, tour the album, which is kind of sad, really. Did you, did, oh, oh, I was going to say, did you ever, um, when, when Glenn joined, did you realize that he was going to be able to sing this material? Like, I guess you had him in and you actually, you know, went in the studio just to rehearse with him before, <laughs> obviously before going out and, and doing a full run of dates. Oh, yeah, we auditioned a few from what I remember, but Glenn was the, the audition that, that sealed it. And he looked great as well. He looked like a young John Bon Jovi in those days and, you know, came <laughs> up looking hurt. the part, sounding the part. I think Damien obviously had a really high vocal range. I remember on um, on Mother Earth, which is a super high song, it goes up to top F and he soared onto it with no problem at all. I think for Glenn, his voice doesn't naturally go that high. So he did a bit of, bit of work, a bit like me, I guess, with all my speedy scales. I think Glenn did a bit of stretching to make sure he could, could get to there. But um, yeah, we knew straight away when we saw Glenn and heard him that he was the guy. Yeah, we met, we had mentioned that actually uh, almost word for word on the last episode, just about how um, Damien's you know range was a little bit different. And so like there's certain tracks that um, might not have been really feasible for, for, for Mac or, um, or Glint to, to do, you know, without, I guess a little bit of a, of a struggle just because of that, that, that vocal difference. But, um, I wanted to ask, um, how did you find the, um, I guess like the reviews and I mean, this was Threshold's first album. And so this was kind of the first time that you would be hearing, um, you know, people's thoughts about, about the album and, and, and the reviews and such. And, and, you know, I, I hadn't been, been, uh, hadn't, I wasn't a, a fan of, of heavy metal until probably around 1997. So I wasn't really paying attention when the album was released. It, it did, it was actually both of ours, our first, um, our, our first introduction to the band, you, you know, four or five years later when we heard, but um, we had always heard that this was a very well-received album. So I was just curious what it was like for you as a band member hearing um, all the positive uh, feedback that after the album was released. I'll be honest, I, it went over my head at the time. I think it was um, a lot of that happened in, in Germany and we probably didn't hear about it for a while. Uh, the, the main two places, the record sold, I think Germany was the biggest one. And then Japan, 
strangely after that. There was a rumour that the um, Paradox was used as a theme tune on some Japanese sports show, and I think that probably helped us quite a lot. Wow. Um, but in, in the UK, we, we got some nice reviews, but it was very much the underground press. So it wasn't. I wasn't really watching it thinking, wow, I'm suddenly going to become like a famous keyboard player in a metal band. I was just kind of watching it really with, with one eye, to be honest. I, th- I think I was still expecting to have a career in a slightly different direction at that point. And I guess with the advent of, you know, social media and all the, you know, the internet, it, it really transformed the industry because back then you just had to rely on either print or word of mouth, I guess, you know, back in the in the early 90s. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You get the opposite end of the spectrum now, don't you? You, you don't just hear what a magazine thinks. You hear what every single fan thinks on a daily basis. And you sometimes have to have a thick skin for that. Yeah. I think I, some- I can certainly see that where uh, you, you, you see the, the good and the bad. And sometimes you have to tune out both extremes and focus on the, the majority at that point. Absolutely. You're putting yourself out there whenever you do anything creative, aren't you? Whatever genre or medium you're in and so you have to be ready for that i think sometimes fans don't realize that the people they're talking about can actually see what they're saying and it can can actually affect the artists which is kind of a weird weird world that we're in i i totally understand and and you know as we get as we get towards the end we'll we'll let you speak about some of the other projects that you're working on which are certainly outside of of, of the metal uh genre i, I speaking of league of lights uh, specifically but before we get there i just wanted to ask uh, some questions about the first time that you heard the the, the wounded land tracks uh, as they had been presented to you what were your immediate thoughts because again as someone who was not into to metal um, and knowing that the band had originally started as a, as a covers band doing, you know, Rat and Testament tracks, uh, it had to be quite jarring for, for someone like yourself who was probably not as in tune with, with that style of, of music. It's funny. I don't specifically remember the first time I heard anything in the studio. I think I was kind of steered to here's a section, put a solo down rather than mm. hearing the whole album. What I do remember is my first rehearsal with the guys because I, I walked into this hall and they were already playing. They were already set up when I got there. And they were playing, I think it was the opening riff to um, Consume to Live. And it was loud. And with Carl and Nick doing that big riff together in perfect unison, John mirroring it on the bass, Tony hammering away on the drums in a big room that really kind of boomed the sound out. It was the most monstrously huge thing I've ever heard. And it stays with me to this day. I just, I was awestruck. I thought, this is amazing. I thought, am I really joining this band? Followed by, how are you going to hear any keyboards over that? <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was a beautiful moment that just stays in my heart. It was so powerful. I, I remember the first time I was introduced to certain songs or certain bands and, and even, even on, on an album, it, it just sent like chills up my arm because it was like a seminal moment in, in the development of my, you know, musical fan appreciation. So I, I, I can certainly appreciate that. As uh, since since I think we can ask you this question without there being any sort of bias, since you didn't write any of the songs on the album, do you have uh, any favorite songs on the album, and uh, and do you uh, have any that you wish that Threshold would uh, continue to to play in a live atmosphere uh, today? Oh, interesting question. Um, funnily enough, I think the first song I was drawn to when I joined the band was actually Intervention, which isn't on the album at all. That was the bonus track. It has a, a slight, an extra warmth to it. I listened to Wounded Land and it's got a, a cold bleakness to it, which is beautiful. It's a lot of fifths and kind of cold harmonies and it's a lovely atmosphere. And especially when we played it live, it was really something quite special. And then Intervention's got these really nice warm chords under the guitar solo that just stir your soul. Really quite a beautiful song. So I was drawn to that one first. 
but when we came to playing stuff live, I think it was Sandy's end. That's the you know the big ten minute track. It's kind of got everything in it, and it really set a template for the big threshold epic songs. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a pilot in the sky of dreams or 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 any of the stuff on Shire without a Sanity's End that really did lay the framework as far as I'm concerned. And it, it gave you it, it was interesting for a debut effort to have so many epic tracks that are over eight minutes and a pair of tracks that are over ten minutes. It was very ambitious, I think, for for a band to just come out of the gate and really just you know go you know right right in that direction um, because not a lot of prog metal bands were, were doing that at the time. I mean, obviously you had Dream Theater here in the States, but even worldwide, even the prog bands were, you know, kind of staying in that five to six minute range, but to, to have two 10 minute epics is quite quite an achievement for a debut album. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I think when Threshold were making this and certainly when they're writing it, we weren't aware of the term progressive metal it was um a band that started playing like you say rant and testament covers but also had a love for progressive rock so they were bringing in their influences of rush and floyd and the genesis and whoever else into the mix and i think that's where the kind of the epic size comes from and the, the idea of doing a 10 minute track so they were really just doing music that they wanted to do no real expectation of it getting anywhere and you know signing to a very small british prog label no big ambitions or expectations at that point just love to get it out there you know which i think in direct contrast to maybe dream theater who yeah they all went to berkeley music college i believe and they you know, had a big infrastructure behind them got on a major label got an mtv complete opposite route you know we we started right down at the bottom and, and crawled our way up well it's it i mean it's you've been i think it's a testament to the to the band and and obviously the the not only the current lineup but the musicians that you've had throughout where you've been able to stick together for so long and just be so consistent with each and every album, but at the same time, not being stale because you hear the evolution when you, when you kind of go through the discography, which is um, not many bands can say that they, they, they continue to keep it fresh after, after all of those years. So um, obviously kudos, kudos to you and the rest of, uh, of the band. I should note that even though you didn't have the songwriting credits on this album, by the time the band got to Psychedelic Attestion, you would obviously contribute, um, you know, writing Under the Sun. And then from there, obviously, now you, you seem to have your hand in the entire process. Yeah, I think it took me a while just to, to get the hang of what the sound was. And I certainly back then, the Wounded Land, I don't think any of my songs I even write today would have made it onto Wounded Land because it was such a different style and sound. But as we moved on, we kind of changed to suit who was in the band. You know, things like doing a power ballad, for example, I've done so many of those with, with Threshold, but you wouldn't have got one onto Winded Land. And it was actually Glyn Morgan when he joined and he wrote the song Innocent, which became the big single for us on the second album. That kind of opened the door for to say it's actually it's okay to do a, a power metal band that's kind of warm and catchy rather than just the bleak, colder sound of Winded Land. So we yeah, just because- we moved on as we went along, you know. Yeah, and even the ballad on Wounded Land, Keep It With Mine, as beautiful of a song as it is, it, it's it's uplifting, but it, it still has that kind of dark quality that fits with the rest of the album, where it doesn't have, it, it's not quite as, um, I, I don't know, I, I guess I guess to your point, a song like Innocent really just lends itself to, to more ears, whereas Keep It With Mine is a little more introspective. Yeah, I think it, it stays small, doesn't it? So even though it's kind of a warm major key song, it's it, it's got, it keeps that bleakness, probably not the right word, but it, it does fit the album. And it used, sure. to be, it used to be a great track on stage because that would be the real kind of come down moment. It would be like a palate cleanser before you go off into the next big blast of noise. Oh, I, which is, which you know, after you're playing for an hour, 90 minutes or, or two hours, I think is um, a, a welcome addition to, to any set list. So uh, it, it was, in fact, I had commented, uh, 
I'm, I'm familiar with the uh, w- the wireless acoustic album, the fan club CD that you that you did back in I guess it was 2001 or 2003. I, I always felt that that track should have should have or, or could have been on that album, um, even though it doesn't necessarily lend itself to, to Max vocal style necessarily. It's just you know the perfect acoustic track, um, you know, for for an album like that. Absolutely, but of course it was already an acoustic track, so I think we didn't true. see any sense in reworking it. No, yeah, that's true. You don't need to strip it down <laughs> anymore. The only reason it already there, is. yeah, but yeah, it would have fitted beautifully, and it was you know great song with Max singing as well. And I and I had you know I think I had mentioned that um you know Damien sings pretty high on that studio on the studio version, so I I I'm not sure how it would have been with um either of the other vocalists um but. I just, uh, that was one of, I think one of the songs where Damien really, I think you used the word sore before, and that's such a great way to describe his vocals. It was his very soaring vocals. Um, I did, I did want to ask, um, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain that Threshold's first show in, in the United States was at the Prague Power Festival in that, in Atlanta, and we were both in attendance at the ripe old age of 20. Um, and, uh, that was one of the reasons we, chose to attend for the first time was to, to see threshold and uh what was that like being uh coming to the u.s for the first time and, and performing and um you know you obviously you guys had come back i think you've played the festival three times now and each time with a different uh vocalist so um yeah just a little just wanted to talk a little bit about um that experience because we're um long time uh, prog power attendees and sponsors and and uh, a lot of our listeners are attendees as well and so just curious about your experience with uh, coming to the u.s and and how um if the if the idea of doing a full-fledged tour had ever come about as well it's kind of weird isn't it we've been so few times to the states but like you say we've, we've done prog power three times with all three singers and it's not many venues can say that so we're kind of proud to have done that for you <laughs> but um yeah i loved all three uh but that first one was pretty special like you say our first time in the states i think matt was really on form that day he he, he could sometimes be a bit variable you know he had he had various demons but i remember that show was just a, a belter we've i think we put out a dvd and we had some of those tracks on there as bonus tracks and it's it's still a great listen um yeah i loved every minute and yeah i love coming to america i honeymooned there you know it's got a special place in my heart so as soon as we can come back, we'll be there. Uh, in terms of doing a whole tour, it's something we always wanted to do. Um, we we pretty much nearly had one set up, I think, 2007, just before Mac left, um, after we did Dead Reckoning. So kind of all our plans changed. And for some reason since then, we haven't really got around to try and organize it again, which is pretty pretty lame, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm really hoping I'd love to come and do it. We were talking about it a couple of years ago, just before COVID happened. You know, we, our timing seems to always be slightly off, but maybe one day. Yeah. We, well, we, we, we I have this, this I have this funny memory. I, I told the story on a, we did a, an entire episode on that, um, first on that third prog edition of prog power that you guys uh, debuted in the States on. And just a funny story about, um, kind of tying into wounded land is that, um, I, th- I believe you were about to play Paradox, and uh, and Mac goes to the microphone. He's like, "We're going to play a song from our first album," and he he must have forgot the name of the first album, and I forgot which member of the band 
yelled it over to him and and it was so noisy that i don't think that he heard what the guy said and so he just said yeah this is from our album wonderland and and then just started playing into paradox and i always thought that was so funny because i was just like did he just say wonderland instead of wounded land but um I, I can't remember it. now whether he was maybe had a couple of drinks or whether that was an in-joke <laughs> at the time. I, I couldn't tell you. It may have just I been just, an in-joke. I, I remembered it so clearly, and, um, it, and I just <laughs> remember um, being such a huge fan of that song after hearing Paradox played live. I was so excited to hear it, and I wasn't I wasn't a, 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 as big of a, a Threshold fan as I was end up being years later at the time. That, that concert had a lot to do with why I became such a big fan, because... Um, the live performance is so good. It's so tight and it's so sonically, uh, I guess sonically pleasing <laughs> would be the way to put it. I, I thought, I thought you guys stole the stage, uh, the last prog power. I uh, thought you stole the show. Um, that they were my, it was my favorite performance of the four days we were there. Um, I thought Glenn was phenomenal. Uh, I thought he was, I was a little bit, um, I went into it a little bit, uh, like, worried because I, I had never really heard much from Glenn and I was a, a big fan of Damien Wilson and I was disappointed to hear that he wasn't in the band anymore and, and boy Glenn Glenn made a, a believer out of me after just a couple of tracks that was really one hell of a performance so I just uh just a couple of my uh, memories from from those prog power sets um I believe Justin was there for the one that um that Damien did perform at, I, I didn't, I missed that one, but I was at the other two. Um, but yeah, um, you guys well, really I remember Damien made... almost missed that one as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I yeah, don't you guys remember really Justin, made... but um, um, I, I, we, we were I, quite late on stage. I, I, I do. Um, uh, that may be a story for, for <laughs> another day, but I, I do remember that. And I, I believe there was something going on upstairs, which may have, I don't know, contributed to it or something like that. I, I don't know. It was it was it was quite a memorable weekend to say the least. All, all three were for 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 many different reasons. But um, to be fair, I think all three singers nailed it, and um, like it goes back to the strength of of the band um, again because w- when you have music where um, no matter who is singing over the top, it just seems to lend itself uh, to those vocals. I think it's really just a testament to the strong songwriting and and the the you know what's going on underneath, which which makes the vocalist shine that much more. I think the the official story was Damien um, overslept and didn't, yes, hear, yes. didn't hear his alarm or set his clock wrong because of the time difference. But the, yes, I had various other unofficial versions of the story. It was slightly uh, had a different rating, should we say? Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> and again, a, a story for another day and, and, and another time. But um, and I think I, I think I heard <laughs> the official story, and I think I may have heard some of the unofficial stories as well. I, I'll just say that uh, it was a pleasure to see him live, and 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 Glenn Morgan blew me away at, at, at the most recent prog power i guess it was in 2019 so it was a pleasure to see you guys back and I'm, I'm sure you'll be you know back again before the festival closes its curtain one last time yeah i love that last show we did with you and um, that was one of my favorite shows of, of of all time i think it was just beautiful venue great crowd everything about it. it's just a, a great place to come and play yeah no question um I, just a couple other questions you know going back to woundland for just one second is there any, you know, a lot of the bands now are, are, are going back into their uh, discography and kind of selecting an album to play live straight through? I, I guess it's kind of the thing that bands are doing now. Has there been any discussion about either playing Wounded Land or any of the other albums uh, in its entirety for, for an audience or for a special recording of some sort? 
Yeah, we've talked about it quite a lot. Um, we we nearly did Windyland actually. Um, I think a few things kind of got in the way and it didn't happen. And then we keep looking at, we keep missing all these big milestone anniversaries, 20th of this, 25th of that, thinking, oh, we should have done that. And then COVID happened and all the plans went out anyway. But a couple of times we've done it, we, we did for the journey. Um, we When we did the initial tour in 2014, we went back the next year and did a, the whole album tour where we played the whole record and it mm-hmm. went down really well. So we did the same with Legend of the Shires, which of course is a concept album. So that worked even better. So it's, right. it's something we love doing. The fans love it as well. So I'm, I'm sure we'll do it again in the future. That's great. Um, I guess um, before we let you go, do you um, have any other projects that you're working on or, or anything else that uh, you want to talk about? I had mentioned League of Lights earlier, but um just curious to see what, what the future holds for both Threshold and for yourself. Yeah, always got irons in fires. Um, League of Lights, we did a couple of albums pretty much both during lockdown, so we didn't really get to tour them, which was a shame, but been great fun to do. Like you said, a bit of a, a different sound compared to Threshold. It's... um. You know, it's not not heavy metal at all. It's um, more kind of pop 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 rock, um, but something I do with my wife, and we've we've loved doing that for the years. Um, but really, the last few months have all been consumed with the new Threshold album, which I can't wait to share with you. It's been a long time in the making. Uh, we we wrote it in 2020, <laughs> recorded it in 21, we we'll released it in wow. 22, which is um nuts. You know, it used to be a lot quicker than that. Yeah, so, that's that's wild. It's been what five years since since Legends of the Shires um, was released, huh? Yeah, there's a weird, weird stat I, I noticed. Um, since I think for our last seven albums, they've only ever come out in years ending in two, four, or seven. <laughs> I, I have no idea why that is. So I guess expect the next one, next one from us in 2024. As long as we're not waiting until 2027, we'll 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 consider that a, a, a little win, if you will. Um, it, can you share? And if you can't, certainly, uh, no, you know, if you can't, you can. I, I understand how things work with with labels and whatnot. But can you give us an indication as to when we may hear a single or or when the actual release will be later this year? I would have I could. So we're 99.9% finished. All the artwork's done, all the mix is done. We just got a couple of tiny tweaks we want to do, which we'll get back in the studio and just finish off next week. Then we deliver it to the label, and then it's up to them to set the timeline. So if I could tell you, I would, but they haven't told me yet. We used to be, you give it to the label, they'd need three months to promote it and put it out there. Now yeah. it's kind of, now it's pretty much six, because it takes so long to press vinyl. I think everyone wants vinyl again. Half the vinyl pressing plants have closed down, and they're all clogged up pressing records for Ed Sheeran and Adele. So it's, it's for some gen- reason, I guess they have a little more clout. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so it's, yeah, six months, probably minimum, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see, just see how it goes this year. And then hopefully back out on the road in the autumn, if, if the world allows it. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask as a, uh, as a diehard power quest fan, um, just, uh, your thoughts on getting to do, um, a little bit of, uh, get, you know, co-songwriting with Steve Williams on the uh, title track of their, um, six dimension album. It's one of my favorite songs that they did on that album. And it was cool that to see that you, uh, kind of had a hand in it. Um, just curious what your thoughts were on that process. Oh, that was really fun. I've, I've worked with Steve Williams for, for years on various PowerQuest albums, doing various bits for them. I think the first thing I did was film a little video clip for them. And then I was producing vocals and producing keys. And I played on a, a couple of tracks back on, um, I think, Human Machine. And they did a, a Megadeth cover back in the day. I played on that. So I kind of gone back a long way with the guys. So when he said he wanted to co-write a song, I thought, yeah, absolutely. Very happy to do that. So we had great fun. We just mostly sat and chatted and then occasionally we'd we'd pick up guitars and keyboards and, and write a bit and the song actually came really easily. It was it was great fun to do. 
Yeah, I, I thought it came out fantastic. I love that um, Annette, uh, you know, Annette formerly of Nightwish did uh, some guest vocals on there. Just a very, a very cool track. And I think that um, it really stands out as as kind of different from the rest of the songs on the album. So I just thought I would throw that in there as the resident Power Quest lunatic of, of the group. <laughs> um, so, well, I was, uh, I was yeah. aware it was slightly different to the rest of the record, so I'm glad to hear you felt it fitted because I know they're generally a lot faster and grungier. So yeah, it was it was but, nice to give them something slightly different. Yeah, it is, and and I know that you know Steve has written some really good kind of mid tempo songs over the years. So I thought that this really did fit that kind of um, style that they 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 had done in the past. But um, yeah, just wanted to to mention that. And, and I personally, um, I'm a big fan of the the League of Lights. The 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 um, we're doing a, an episode. Our, our episode next week is going to be our our favorite albums of uh, 2021. And I, I will be, uh, there's a, a little spoiler. I will be mentioning that mm-hmm. as one of my top 50 albums of, of the, the year. Um, I thought it was really a really nice kind of change from all of the metal that we have to listen to for our podcast and just, you know, for, for our own fun and entertainment. Um, but uh, it's always nice to hear something that's a little bit, a little bit different. And I, and I thought that, that you guys really did a, a really, a really wonderful job. Um, and I thought, uh, per, per, uh, personally, the, I thought the collector was just one of the best songs I heard all year last year. So, you know, um, just wanted to, to really, um, mention that and just say that, you know, that was a really nice, really nice, uh, really well done album. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, thank you so much. I will tell the wife. Are there are there plans for a third third album, or is or was this um, you know just to kind of fill in the time while you guys um, were locked down in quarantine? It it certainly filled the gap. We weren't expecting to make a, another album quite so quickly after the last one, but with right. with lockdown coming, you couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything, and we we had all these ideas for songs, so it was a perfect opportunity. Um, I'm sure there will be another one. We haven't written anything new yet. Been too okay. busy with threshold recently, but um, Some, but thank you. I'm honored to that honored that the album made your top fifty. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thanks for making it, <laughs> <laughs> um, Richard. It's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for your time today. Um, I, I know that uh, I speak for a lot of the listeners where uh, you know we can give our opinions on on albums from you know from last month or from thirty years ago, but to hear the insight from someone who was actually there is 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 invaluable. So again, thank you. We look forward to um, catching you guys on the next tour and and hearing new music from you later this year. And um, wish you nothing but uh, good health and uh, happy new year. I appreciate it. Happy new year to you both as well. And thank you for having me on the show. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks again, Richard. We really appreciate it. Okay. Cheers. Cheers.